Welcome to Needing Humanity, the podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jenny. And we're going to be talking about some things that we have been marinating over for a long time. So, quit your bitchin' and sit down and listen. Welcome to episode one of month two. I don't know how we're going to lay these out or number them, but there's that. It might be different every time. Yeah. So today's topics are going to be kind of heavy. So we're going to try to go through what I feel like is a lot of information and it's not going to be very lighthearted. So just know that going into this. We should also say that there are going to be trigger warnings. Mm, or we need yes. to give a trigger warning. Yes, um, we're going to be talking about loss, infertility, depression, suicide, And just when things just don't go the way that you want things to go. Right. Yep. That is the overarching theme. (laughs) So I had a really hard time writing this episode because I just, I couldn't decide how far back I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And because it feels like some of these depressive episodes that I have had kind of like bleed into each other sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when I get into that depressed place, I feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm here again. And it just like almost snaps me back right to where I left off with it. Yeah. And so when I was thinking about, you know, this past year's depression, which is probably the worst that I've ever been through, I think part of what made it so incredibly bad was that this was not the first time that I had done it, mm-hmm. but this time was like substantially worse because a lot of the coping mechanisms or the people that I had in my life that I would like go to in these dark times had died. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like there was times where I was like, I don't have anywhere to turn. And I just felt very, very isolated. And so this Time was like the first time that I felt like I went through it. Not, I wasn't alone, but I felt very alone. Um, so I'll say that. But when I see, I still don't even know where to begin. Like, (laughs) even after saying all that, uh, well, I will just say that. Josh and I have been married for almost six years and the whole entire time that we've been married, we've never used birth control. We just haven't. And so we have kind of operated on the, like if when it happens, it'll happen. Like we want it to happen. So we never really did anything preventative. Um, And so we have gone, you know, six years now and we still don't have any children. And 
when we first got married, a lot of our friends also didn't have kids. And so we watched a lot of our close friends also like conceive and have multiple children within this time. Um, and so that was hard as well. And probably around year three of our marriage, we were like, okay, something is not right. Like we've been married for three years. This is not happening for us. What something we we're want to do some further investigation. And so that's when we both started going to the doctors and like getting tested and this process was incredibly infuriating because I felt like we had already like conducted our own research on this matter. <laughs> and every time we would go to the doctor, they would be like, well, have you really been trying? What are you really doing? <laughs> and I just, I was so dumbfounded by this question. Like I couldn't believe that they would just keep asking me this. Like, what do you think we're doing? I, I really, I started to get very smart with these doctors, but then they would say, well, we want you to really try for a month and we want you to track your ovulation and we want you to, you know, take your temperature in the night and like do all this crazy stuff and start these supplements. And so we would do that for a year. Well, then that doctor was like, okay, I, I think you need to go to a a specialist gynecologist. And so we went to a different gynecologist that one of our friends had gone to and had conceived with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we went to this doctor and told him, you know, now it's been four years that we've been trying unsuccessfully. And at this point, let me think at this point we had had a miscarriage and this was also really frustrating because I had taken a pregnancy test and we had gotten a positive and we were about to leave to go on vacation. And right before we left, I got my period and it was like the worst period I've ever had in my life. Like it was not a normal period, Mm -hmm. but a doctor's offices will not like, validate this as a true pregnancy because we had never had an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. So they consider that, I can't remember what they call it now, but something like just a hormonal pregnant, like they don't call it an actual pregnancy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like it felt very, that felt very isolating in and of itself just because I felt like we had gone through a huge high and a great loss in a short amount of time. But nobody would acknowledge it. But nobody. It's right. Fullness. And my tendency when I get really low like that is to withdraw. And I didn't talk to anybody about it. Like Josh, I didn't even really talk to Josh at first. Like mm-hmm. I did, I kept it totally to myself. And I, part of it I did because I wanted to protect him because Josh is more sensitive than I am about some things. And so at first I really was like, I didn't know if he could handle that loss, mm-hmm. um, which was wrong. And I shouldn't have done that. And I shouldn't have kept it a secret. And it was 
it was suffocating to me to keep that secret and it kept him from feeling his feelings and, you know, allowing him to grieve that as well. Um, but anyways, all that to say, did not handle that great. And, um, so when we went to that doctor, um, I told them, you know, we've had a miscarriage. They didn't really act like that was that big of a deal. And they were like, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. And I was like, no, is that, is that something we know? <laughs> Cause I don't see any kids running around here. Um, and then they started me on medicines that were oral medications. And I did, um, I did three rounds of Clomid and one round of Thamara, all unsuccessful. And so at this point, like when you're really like in that zone of like, it's all you think about. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how else to say it, but I, I, um, you know, you're tracking your ovulation, you're tracking, you know, taking this medicine at a certain time every day and you have to have sex at certain times and you have, it's like everything is so scheduled and like orderly and Mm -hmm. it consumes your thoughts. And, And you're also during this time, they're like, you can't drink, you can't, like you have to treat yourself as if you're pregnant because they're like, if you, and so they're telling you like, you can't drink caffeine, you can't, eat sushi, like all the things that you can't do when you're pregnant. So even one of those times that we were going through that, I had like a cold and this is before COVID and everything, but I had a pretty severe cold and I couldn't take anything for it. They wouldn't let me take anything. And so I was sick for like way longer. So anyways, it just affects so many realms of your life that you don't really think about. Yeah. And, um, until you're like in it and doing it. And so we did that for like five, four to five months. Yeah. Five months, uh, five rounds of that. And it was just like, I can't do anymore. Like I emotionally, I had like hit a wall and I was like, I can't keep going to the, the doctor. And like, you had to call them all the time and be like, you know, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's happened. This is, you know, I, and you have to like get everything timed just right. And so I was like, I just need to take a break. So we had taken a break from that and we talked to our doctor and we were like, you know, we want to start trying again. This was a couple months later and we were ready to go. Um, But this time we referred to the Nashville Fertility Clinic. So we started there and then that's when I started giving myself the shots and I was doing gonal shots and even there that which is gonal is giving yourself the shot is like a step up from the oral medications but it's still not the full IVF process we weren't there yet um because it's like they want to they want to do the least invasive process first and see if that will work for you. And mm-hmm. then if that works for you, great. But if it doesn't work for you, then you just kind of keep leveling up until you can't level up anymore. And so we did four months of the gonal shots. And then the 
last time that I had a trigger, which is an egg that was like 20 centimeters and my lining looked good and they were so hopeful about it. And they did the artificial insemination. Um, and I really thought I was pregnant because this time my period was late and I'm not usually late, especially on these medicines. Like everything's pretty like clockwork on these medicines. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know if that was a pregnancy or not, but in my heart, I felt like it was because I was, um, I was late. Um, but I never got a positive on a test. And so there's really nothing that confirmed that that was a pregnancy. Um, but I was just so hopeful and so like ready for that to work that I had like convinced myself that it was it. I mean, I was like going hard in the paint. I started like a, one of those baby registries and I was doing all the things because I was like, this is going to be it. Mm -hmm. And, and that wasn't. And then the next time I went to the doctor, I had developed a cyst in like a, in my ovary that was just like a, a freak thing. So in like a matter of a couple of days, I had developed a cyst because they want you to come like every two days and do an ultrasound. And they said that if we continued at this time that it could rupture and cause a lot of damage and I could have to have a surgery and all this stuff. And they were like, so you have to wait until that cyst is totally healed. Mm -hmm. And so that was in December and we have not started back since then. Um, and, but I'm telling you like four months is about the only, the amount of time that I can stomach before it just becomes emotionally too much. And it just kind of like suffocates you. And it's one of those things where it's like, I want to talk about it, but then at the same time, it gets really frustrating to talk about it with people because, and maybe I'm being too harsh, but when you're in like a really dark place, it just feels like everything that people say is just kind of like empty. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I got around here was things like, you'll, you're going to get a baby. I just know it. God's going to bless you. I'm praying for you. Like I can just feel that it's going to happen. And like, like people just trying to be positive and hopeful. Like I'm sure they're coming from a place with the best intentions possible, but what if we don't, what if we don't get pregnant? And so there's times that I'm like, I understand that people that I'm surface with, yeah, I don't expect you to sit in this with me. But there were times even people that I felt like could have sat with me in the sadness more and they and just didn't. And it was especially hard. Like, I we have some, well, we know some people that have multiple children, but they've also had a great loss They've or had have had a miscarriage. And I'm not trying to minimize anyone's experience at all, but I was in such a dark place that when people with children that were living would tell me about their 
loss, I just would become so envious of them and so just hurt because I'd be like, I don't have that. Like, I don't have a silver lining yet. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have a child. And, and so I would get frustrated because I would be like, we're not the same. Like, I know that you're trying to empathize with me and be like, I understand your pain, but I just couldn't receive that. I was just not in a place where I could receive that. Yeah. And which is, I'm not saying that these people were doing anything wrong. I'm just, just where I was at. And, and the part that makes even telling this story, like so hard to do, I guess, is that we still don't have a child and we still desperately want kids. And then when I think about, you know, if it doesn't ever happen, like I love my husband, we'll be fine. Or like we enjoy our time together but we have both always liked kids, like being around kids. And, you know, we were aunts and uncles to, or an aunt and an uncle to lots of little babies around the area. Around the area? Around the Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I, we do have a lot of kids in our life that are very special to us that we get to pour into and we get to send them home and we enjoy that too. Um, but everyone always tells us like, well, if you had your own, it'd be different. So we do get a lot of a fulfillment from those relationships and the people that allow us to just be like a fun aunt and uncle to their kids. And we enjoy that. But at the same time, we want to eventually have our own family. And, mm-hmm. but we also have times where we're like on vacation, just the two of us. And we're like, do we really want kids? Cause this is pretty yeah. awesome. No, yeah. um, but we do. So it's just, it's just been a really long road. And at times when I have been on all of those hormones and all of that medication and all the, like in 2019, I know I've said this like in every podcast, but like we've had, we've just gone through a ton of loss in like a very concentrated amount of time. And so between like our miscarriage and like we, I said, I'm pretty certain that we've had another miscarriage that was not counted. And we just, you know, we've not carried anything past six weeks, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, was about the time frame that we were looking at with the two. And so it's just a really hard thing to do. And we, at one point we had become foster parents. Um, we had decided like we would be, we would want to do the adoption route and try to adopt from foster care. And so we did that for a few months and that was after our first miscarriage and that, I mean, I can't share because of HIPAA, like the exact situation that we were in with the children that we had in our home, but it was not an easy situation at all. And it was hard to decide like what was going to be best for us and for them And we truly believed like that we could bring them into our home and like 
bring them security and like bring them to a level of peace, I guess is our, was our goal because they Mm -hmm. had come out of such trauma. But what ended up happening was they pulled us to like their level of chaos and we couldn't operate under that level of chaos any longer. And Mm -hmm. the stress of that whole situation had become more damaging to us and to them because we were not being, I mean, we weren't bad to them, but we just were so exhausted. I've never experienced Mm -hmm. exhaustion like that in my life. And, and I know kids are exhausting, but going from like zero to a hundred in such a short amount of time was just a shell shock. Yeah. Um, so I think right now I'm in a place where I'm just trying to take care of myself mentally so that if we do go down the next step of whatever our infertility treatment is going to be that I can hopefully keep myself from going into such a dark place. Uh, Cause I don't want to be there again. I don't want to put my family through that again. I don't want to put myself through that again. And there were times during shutdown that I was quarantined by myself Um. My husband was here some of the time, but some of the time his work didn't shut down. So there were days that I would just be here by myself, like hopped up on hormones (laughs) and it got dark. I mean, it got real dark and I was, I really was ready to die. And I know I had talked to you over quarantine and I had told you, like, I feel like I have more in heaven than I do on earth. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I, I don't want to (laughs) cry. One thing that I had really like part of my grief that became so like convoluted for me. And like, I was very, envious of people like cousins and people in my family that had children before my grandparents died because my grandparents got to know them like and Mm -hmm. like know their children and so when they all passed away and I was like my kids will never know them like they'll never know who they are and that like killed me like destroyed me for a long time and people are gonna think I'm insane and maybe I am insane maybe I hear voices I don't know but I truly felt like I heard the voice of God (laughs) say not audibly but like in my heart that yeah um that my grandparents do know my kids and that they are there together and while I was comforted by that in some respects it also just made me feel like there was more there than here 
And while yeah. that may, I mean, you can think whatever you need to think. I Maybe I entered psychosis. I don't know. But I was in a terrible place and trying to draw comfort from whatever I could draw it from. And, and then that turned into just like this deep seated sorrow that like I have more family there than here and, or just out of sight, I guess. So anyways, that's kind of a roundabout way of saying it has been a long journey and whether it's finished I don't know but it it is incredibly hard if I were to give you any piece of advice if you have a friend or someone that you're close to that is struggling with infertility no one ever feels comforted by statements like well at least at least you still have your free time. At least you're not having to get up and breastfeed three times a night like I am. Those are not comforting to people who want to get pregnant. They're desperately wanting to get to do those things. Um, and I feel like well-meaning people said things to me that like gutted me at the time. Mm-hmm. And like people would say, God's going to bless you when you least expect it. And he'll never give you more than you can handle. And when y'all aren't even trying, that's when y'all are going to, it's just going to happen. And I'm like, that's just not true for people that struggle with infertility. Like Mm -hmm. it's a real medical condition. It's not this like spiritual thing that God just hasn't decided to bless them yet. And It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, I've Googled it, I've searched the world over, that God won't give you more than you can handle. God wants to give you more than you can handle so that you rely on Him. That's more or less what I'm leaning on than than that there's some boundary that God says, don't push past there. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, those are my, my rants, I guess, from the past three years. Are you depressed enough now? Yeah. Do you feel like just taking a depression nap and yeah, <laughs> calling it quits? Um, no, I just feel bad like that you're talking about what you're talking about. And then I'm about to tell my story as to how life didn't go my way. But that your experiences is just as valid as mine is. Yeah. They can contrast. Um, yeah. Well, um, to tell my story as to how, you know, just when life doesn't go as planned. Um, and it happened pretty early for me. I guess that, well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to give like a backstory. I know that's the um, part that was tricky for me too. Yeah. I was like, how much backstory does this mean? But go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the first time I remember, you know, just life not going my way or not my way, but, you know, as planned and what you think, how you think things should go is 
when I was four years old. <laughs> the first, the first event. Are you really going to start at four no. years old? Oh. No, I, I'm not going to go through everything, but just, you know, like feeling those feelings of, um, I, I think the first time having to deal with, um, rejection. Yeah. And that loss of the idea of what, like family, because it was my parents' divorce. And so what family should be like. And my dad didn't really stick around, you know, long after that. And I, I know my mom, she'll say that she, um, which I'm actually really proud because we don't come from a family that um, in, in necessarily embraces therapy. Mm-hmm. It might have been the time because I feel like just in the last few years that's been embraced. But um my mom put, I actually had to put me in therapy. She caught me um, like behind, we had like a, it wasn't real leather. It was like this green, like pleather, I don't know, weird material couch. And I mm-hmm. had a box knife and was just stabbing it and slitting the back of the. But oh, I thought the, you were going to say yourself. Oh no, slitting the back of the couch. And um, so at that moment, you know, with every all the change and things that had happened, um, she knew that, and the therapist validated that. You know, I just couldn't communicate, and so that's what I was doing um, instead of because I just didn't know how to talk about everything that had happened. So, um, but you know, growing up to just just witnessing my mom, and it was just me and her. Um, There were plenty of situations where, you know, things just didn't work out and it was just very, I don't know, I was a troublemaker. I got in trouble a lot and it put a strain on mine and my mom's relationship and we were just some at points in time I just remember it was like just a fight every day and mm-hmm. it, I, neither of us wanted it, but that's just what would bubble up. So, and then there were just things that she wanted to be able to do like financially and things. And it just never worked out. Like we didn't, we weren't able to go on vacation a lot. And, um, and I know that sounds trivial, but, um, when so many things, and there were so many times too, where she would be like, do you want to do this? So there would also be that hype. And I think she genuinely thought we could. And then last minute she couldn't or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you just kind of get used to that quick adjustment and things. So of course, as you get older, the things get more serious and more adult like, but um, for me, the major pivotal point in my life was probably not was probably was um when I got pregnant at 17 um yeah that'd be a game changer yeah that's a big one um and I have certain beliefs about you know pregnancy and being like you know pro-life versus pro-choice whatever but um, especially growing up in the Bible Belt, one belief rules out the other for sure. And so many people will talk about, um, you know, teen teen pregnancy. But the thing is, the moment that you're pregnant, like you're you're just fe- at a young age, not prepared for it, you're 
you have to make a choice and that's a choice that you're going to have to live with Mm -hmm. no matter what choice is made. And I went through all three options. Um, Of course, I ended up deciding to... You're still deciding? I'm just kidding. Yeah, still questioning. (laughs) You're like, is it too late to take this motherfucker out? To someone else. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. (laughs) There's that horrible sense of humor i know we i know well when you've seen great darkness great humor yeah, comes you out just, that's the best things to joke about yeah um until but, it's not yeah <laughs> until a bunch of people or three people are listening to us and they're like oh god yeah there are three dedicated listeners thank yeah. you so much <laughs> hang in there we're trying to get better um but yeah, so just, I remember, you know, it was my junior year, the end of my junior year when I found out. So of course you're prepping for college. I had actually, the week before I found out I was pregnant, I had just turned in my notice. I worked, my very first job was at Starbucks and I was like, I'm going to get my grades up. I'm going to focus on school my senior year. My mom had agreed to it. Um, And I was like, you know, I'll do other things to make money, but I'm going to like just solely focus on school so I can get into a really good college. And um, then I remember when I found out I was still in shock and it just really hadn't hit. Mm -hmm. And two, when you take a pregnancy test, like for me, I just I didn't want to be pregnant and. I was like, okay, maybe this is all just a in my head. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I just th- questioned it until um, until like my appointment at the doctor's when I saw the ultrasound and was like, oh god, okay, there's like a medical professional verifying that there is indeed something in here. And I was like, maybe I should actually have to. I'm gonna have to start dealing with this now. Mm-hmm. And, um, Did you go by yourself to that appointment? No. Um, my mom went with me. But uh, it was – but anyway, so when I found out, uh, you know, I remember, like, saying to my boss, I was like, I'm going to need to not turn in my notice. <laughs> and I think I'm going to need to still work here. <laughs> and um, – So, yeah, that was that. And then, of course, when I found out I was pregnant, I actually went to the health department. And like this is so I feel like I'm like, what was that show? The Secret Life of the American Teenager or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went I took my ACT that I found out I was pregnant the day that I took my ACTs. How'd you do? And I'm just kidding. Oh, I was so sick. I did pretty good, like, in, in the math portions and stuff. But, like, when I had to be reading, mm-hmm. that was also my first day of morning sickness. Um, and I went to the – you know, we got out early for school, so I went to the health department. And they confirmed it. And then um, my mom, actually, I ran to the bathroom and threw up before the ACT. So not only did I find out – like it was kind of confirmed that I was now having pregnancy symptoms, but my mom like threw herself over the bed and just screamed. Cause as soon as I threw up, she, she was like, not, are you sick? She was like, are you pregnant? And, um, 
because all of this kind of happened really fast for me. And uh, so she knew you were pregnant by you throwing up, not that you hadn't yeah. told her anything yet. Yes, because I did not, I had not been having um, sex long before I got pregnant. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. So I was like, and I guess in my mind too, it was just total ir- irresponsibility, honestly. Um, in my mind, I knew I'd known friends. I was a junior and I'd known friends that had been sexually active since their freshman year or some even before that. And that's crazy. I don't, I don't know. I, and, and they would say they weren't on birth control. And I know this sounds so dumb, but at the time, like you're just 17 and you think you're invincible, invincible mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that nothing adult like or like serious to deal with is going to happen mm-hmm. and um but yeah it i mean it, it definitely woke me up it's i mean it's still affecting my life i have an eight-year-old running around the house um while i'm you know we're here recording yeah but it i mean it was a lot i experienced like even and even now i mean just a few months ago like i was in a place like a dark place just because obviously I'm a, I'm a single mom you know this is not what I wanted my life to look like mm-hmm. when like a depression episode ends and you feel good and then all of a sudden like those same feelings hit months later weeks later and you're like what the hell like I thought I was over this like mm-hmm. I thought I'd cope mm-hmm. so then it then I get depressed, you know, cause I'm like, here I am. I'm just not growing. Cause I'm yeah. still, but that's I the get thing. That. It is you growth. Know? It just comes in stages. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, and it's a slow, it is, it's, it's slow change. Um, that takes place over time and, you know, just still I find myself, I mean, gosh, I was pregnant in 2012 And so that's almost 10 years ago. And I'll still find myself like wondering, God, what would my life have been like if, you know, I could have gone to a four year college or because I'll have these struggles. And it's always these what ifs and like it, it hurts. And sometimes I spiral and it's not healthy. But I mean, really, the, the question is, you know, how do you deal with life? Severe heartache. Yeah, and after it's it's not going as you plan. You know, if I ever get the answer to that, I'll be a very wealthy woman. (laughs) And I think it looks different for everyone. And it just, it is a long Mm -hmm. road. I would encourage, even though everyone handles things differently, I would encourage anyone and everyone to go to counseling. I'm pro-therapy for anyone, even if you haven't had a major traumatic event, just because just having someone that will yeah. just listen to you and has no stake in the game and will not tell your stuff to anybody for any reason is a very freeing relationship to have in your life. So if nothing else, mm-hmm. just having that space to just, you know, dump all that stuff out of your brain And that is one thing that has helped me a lot. I do a lot of brain dumps. I'll just sit and like, sometimes I'll type, sometimes I'll write, make a list. Sometimes I'll put it in a planner, but like 
casting a vision for life when I'm like really like looking to the future, I find like having, even if it's something stupid, Mm -hmm. but if I can put something on my calendar that I have to look forward to, it helps me to just to be like, okay, I've got this thing coming Mm -hmm. up. I have this going on. Like I need something to propel me forward because it's really easy for me to just sit in that sorrow and become very stagnant. Yeah, I like if you know a few months ago when I was just experiencing all those feelings, um, I found myself I was just like stuck, and I wanted to fixate on everything that had gone wrong in my life, and and I mean some of it felt like I couldn't control my own thoughts, and it would just that's that's what was hard was it just felt like. I would try to pull myself out and like distract myself. And then it was just like, I could not mm-hmm. control the thoughts that were coming into my head. And it, I just remember I would, I'd find myself and I'd right. just be staring just at trapped. a wall or like In just sitting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, then I, I don't know after that, I mean, and it wasn't just like an instantaneous day, but I know that, after that and after having a few talks and really just going through those moments, I was like, okay, here I am upset about everything that hasn't, that isn't working. And I've stopped living my life now. And I'm like, yeah. So of course there's goals and things that I want for my life that I don't have now. Um, but like for me, it was okay. I have friends, and I can invest in those relationships, and I can I can find myself, I can be okay with friendships, and also improving my fam like my relationship with my family. And I've always wanted to do photography, so I was mm-hmm. like, like this is the time to do it because then I was it, it started. It's like my mind started shifting, and it was like, okay, you don't have this now. You don't. You might get it later on. But right now you don't have it, but you can't stop living, mm-hmm. waiting for that moment when you get it. Because that could right. be, it could be right. years and it could never happen. I mean, so. Yeah, I think you're um, right that like you have to combat those intrusive thoughts and they can be very overpowering, especially if you're someone who struggles with depression, anxiety, like on a regular basis. Like it really is like a brain exercise to stop those thoughts because there wasn't anything to go and do like outside of calling people on the phone. <laughs> and it like was it just felt particularly easy to slip into a very dark place. But I feel like you and I both have worked really hard to kind of pull ourselves out of that. And not that we're not immune to those experiences. And I guess that's the part that like Mm -hmm. haunts me is it's like, I am afraid that if I upset the ecosystem again with this pregnancy stuff that I will spiral again and I don't want to spiral And so it's like, I'm having anxiety about having (laughs) depression and anxiety. (laughs) And I'm like, I've got to, (laughs) And like I said, in our last podcast, or I don't know when that will, what order these are going to come out, but I have started going to therapy again and it does help me significantly to do that. And I have people in my life that support me and I'm trying to consciously not push people away because that is definitely 
what I want to do. Even now, I want to do that because it's just mm-hmm. like so much easier than trying to invest in people and be vulnerable with people. But I know that yeah. my spot gets darker and darker the harder I push. I was going to say if we could sum it up, you know, on how to what what to do when life doesn't go as planned. What would we tell Stay our three listeners? Stay connected to people who truly love you. Seek help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And be mindful mm-hmm. of the season you're in and and grow where you are and and just be grateful for that season that you're in and what you do have, yeah. Maybe if you feel like you're being buried in something right now, think of it as you're being planted. And mm-hmm. I, I do feel like, you know, out of some of the darkest times I've ever had in my life, a lot of times like those peaks and valleys do kind of follow each other. And so when you're in the mm-hmm. in the valley, of course, it's terrible and awful and it feels like it's never going to end. But I'm always grateful for the peak that comes after it. And I was going to say a second ago, I typed out we when when we do our podcast, we type our notes in the same uh, Google Doc and then we go over it together like we just kind of have it up so that we remember points we want to make and I typed out like two full pages of like paragraphs <laughs> and on Taylor's it says Taylor period pregnant at 17 period space depression period <laughs> <laughs> so if that tells you anything about our the yeah. way we process things <laughs> yeah Oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel like I have to do a brain dump though to even stay organized in this. Like, even if I don't read it or like go off of it that much, it's like even just to know what I want to say, I have to type it out. Yeah. Well, when we came up with this podcast, I knew that what I wanted to talk about, you know, that's like the primary thing of when my life completely changed and it was unexpected. And I've had, I mean, almost 10 years to like talk about and it's affected me so much and I've there's so many people that's like poured into me which at different times in my life and talk to me about my feelings like I've just I guess Mm -hmm. I was like yeah 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 I know (laughs) (laughs) what you got cooking good looking well, I am about to go to Colorado and visit my mom and my stepdad, and I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to... I haven't been on a plane in nearly two years. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to go on a trip and go somewhere different. Like, if money were not an issue, I would want to travel all the time. Our goal is that we're going to eventually be like the Muppets and have <laughs> our own travel bus. Yeah. And we're just going to have our little rock and roll band in our bus, just seeing the world, taking pictures, talking about it. Yeah. We get each other stirred up by sharing like those remodel van Instagram pages with each other or whatever. I want to do. Have you seen the school bus ones? Yes. The, 
I want to get a school bus so oh bad. Oh my goodness! I know. I like. I picked Caden up from school and his cousins up from school today, and I was leaving right when all the school buses were leaving the school, and I was like, "Ooh, that would be a good one." I found myself like mm-hmm. measuring up each school bus that passed. I was like, "What's wrong with me?" Would you ever feel comfortable driving something that big? That's see. That's what I keep thinking. I'm. I'm like. I would. That's what would make me nervous. You're going to have to get you a man with some CDLs so that we can use them and abuse them. Use them and abuse them. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah. But I need something that big. I know. I have to have a school bus. We have so. to have a big thing if all of us, all six of us are going to be in a bus. Yeah. If you're a single man that would like to travel and drive a school bus, hit yeah. us up. We're a package deal, just so you know. Yeah, and we also have collectively uh, four dogs and two cats. <laughs> so if you have any more, you know, what the hell? <laughs> oh my gosh. You gonna ask me? Oh yeah, sorry. What you got cooking? Good looking? <laughs> uh, I'm boring. I'm keeping your pets while you go on vacation. <laughs> I felt so bad because Josh was like, I want to go on vacation on spring break. And you were like, we are keeping Taylor's animals. Well, we actually found out that our spring breaks don't line up. His is next week and mine's the week after that. Oh, okay. So we couldn't go anywhere anyway. Okay. Um, But I am going to go to an art show that one of my dear friends... Uh, you can follow her Instagram, the artist formerly known as Lib, and she is a um, tattoo artist, and she is like a fantastic artist, and she's painted a mural and is going to be selling some prints and some other things, and so we're just going to go out and support some people, and it's an outdoor venue, and... They're going to have some food trucks and some other stuff. And it's like a limited ticket thing. So people can still socially distance. Um, but it is, a, it is, a, I feel better about going to things that are outside. That's probably in my head, but I feel mm-hmm. like if I can go to something that is outside and I can wear my mask, I feel better about going yeah. to it. But anyways, yeah. so that's really the only fun thing that I'm doing over spring break. The rest of the time, um, just doing like doctor's appointments and I'm getting my second COVID shot and mm. just dog sitting and cat sitting and editing until my fingers fall off. Yeah. All those fun things. If you've ever edited yourself, you know how painful it is to hear your own voice <laughs> say the same line <laughs> over and over again until you cut it just right. Yeah, and you pick up on speech flaws. Like, oh my gosh, I, I hate say, myself. And I just said it again. I say like when I yes. listen to these. I say I like too. so much, and I'm like, somebody smack me across the face because if I say like one more time, I know I feel I I do the same exact thing. Even when I'm like just listening to you and not even really paying attention to what I'm doing, I'm like, oh. <laughs> And I just make these terrible sounds. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why <laughs> what are were you, you doing? <laughs> and I'm just like agreeing with what you're saying. But instead of having normal speech like a person <laughs> would. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good point. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok.
New episodes will be available every Monday on all major platforms. If you have a recipe you want us to try or a topic you want us to talk about, slide in our DMs or email us at needinghumanity at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.